James chapter 3, what was one of the toughest subjects that you studied in school? Uh, maybe it was math. Anybody, anybody struggle in the math field? You're like, man, that's my least favorite subject. You know, the, the story I always remember the teacher saying, and we love our teachers, so no way putting a teacher down, but there's math teachers saying, I'm telling you, you're not always going to have a calculator with you or on you. And I'm thinking to myself, um, I'm not sure about that. Well, I think we all have a calculator in our pocket now. But, uh, you know, whatever that subject was, maybe it was, it was history and, and struggling with the facts and trying to memorize dates and names and cities and capitals and all of those things that you're trying to put all these uh, things together, names of countries and what language, what religion that they, they, uh, they, they practice and all of those things, sometimes they're, they're, they're difficult and you're studying them. We have people that have, have uh, gone through uh, major schooling and they've, they've passed the MCAT and they, now they're a medical doctor. They passed the bar exam or the LSAT. They're an attorney. They, they've gotten licensed to be a teacher in North Carolina. They're a licensed realtor. Maybe they've gotten certain accredited certifications and they are a licensed mechanic. And each one of these fields requires study. It requires dedication. It requires hard work uh, to be a, an expert in that particular field. In chapter 3 of our text, James, or as we're studying through the book of James, James begins to talk about one of the toughest things you'll ever do in life. James chapter 3 primarily deals with taming our tongue. Taming uh, uh, the, the one of the smallest parts of our body and, and bringing it into subjection so that the Holy Spirit of God can be glorified in our lives. And uh, I want to encourage you this morning, uh, don't just think about the words that we physically speak, but if you have a, a phone this morning, maybe it's through a text. Maybe you're tearing someone down right now. Uh, maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's through an, an email, and you're boy, you're firing off uh, reviews on uh, restaurants, and you're just destroying everybody who's poured their entire life into a, a business, and, and you have a bad experience, and you want the entire world to know about it. Listen this morning to what James says in his word about the tongue and how we're supposed to bring it into submission to the, to the Holy Spirit of God. And, and let's dive right into the text for sake of time. James chapter 3 says, Not many of you, verse 1, should become teachers, my brothers. Wow, imagine saying that uh, in, in your church. Not many of you probably should be teachers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what, in what he says... He is a what church? A perfect man. Now let's wake up this morning. Uh, if someone does not struggle in what he says, he is a what church? Perfect man. All of the perfect people, if you would please stand at this morning, we want to recognize you in the service uh, and give you congratulations. But able also to bridle his whole body. We put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us. We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also is the tongue a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. He says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast 
and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly what, church? Poison. If what, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these thong, things ought not so to be. Does a spring bring forth uh, from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? God, way we, for just a few moments, as we focus on your word and the, the message that you have for us this morning, God, help us to learn how to tame the mighty tongue. God, help us to be people that speak blessing and not cursing. People that rise up and, and, and glorify your name. And God, we be people that are so on fire, God, that we, we don't want to spend a single second of our existence, of our being, living a life that brings dishonor to the name of God. God, would you speak to our hearts this morning, and, and Lord, may we focus our attention on your word and your power to transform our lives. We'll give you the honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The power of the tongue. What does the tongue look like? The power of the tongue. James is saying is the, the tongue is you in a unique way. In other words, if you want to see what someone's made of, watch what comes out or listen to what comes out of their mouth. They'll start telling you exactly what they're all about. You find someone who's uh, an avid sports fan, and boy, every you can't be around them and not hear about their team. They're talking about it, and some if you're a state fan, that's from like a long time ago, the 80s, you know. <laughs> but just playing. If there's certain teams, I mean, you're excited and you talk about the things that are exciting to you. But folks, as a child of God, we ought to be so falling in love with Jesus. That he's on our lips constantly. We're sharing the goodness of God and what he's doing in our lives. But he says, your tongue is you. Your tongue is you. And it reveals what is truly in your heart. In James chapter 1, he tells us to be quick to hear and slow to what? Speak. He's saying, be careful. In fact, uh, Jackson said a couple Sundays ago, he says, you know, sometimes if we just keep our mouth shut, we come off as wise. We come off as smart if we don't say too much because people didn't understand what's really what we're really all about. People will know how ignorant we truly are as the more we open our mouth. In James 1.26, he says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceive but deceives his heart, this person's religion is what? Worthless. Controlling our tongue is is difficult. In fact, having the power to control the tongue may be the toughest thing we do in this life. So often we want to give people a, a piece of our minds. James is like, hold that thought. Don't say it. Don't, don't run your mouth because you might regret it. Controlling our tongue is challenging. We have a responsibility when we speak often to not say things that are contrary to God's word. And and I know as a, as a pastor and those of you that are small group leaders realize that we will stand before God and give an account for the things that we've said and the things that we do. And God will hold us accountable. In other words, he says, we will answer for our words. 
James says, we'll all, we all stumble. But a person who does not stumble with what he says is a perfect man, able to bridle the entire body. And folks, we all know that's not possible to be perfect in this life. Last Sunday we looked at faith and, and works. And, and nowhere in the relationship between faith and works is more evident than a person's speech. It might be said that a person's speech is a reliable measure of their spiritual temperature. It really tells what's going on in their heart and their life. And lives that have been both elevated and destroyed by the tongue. We should never doubt the power of the tongue. And we also should never underestimate the power of the tongue. James ventures on and he gives three illustrations. And he begins to talk about controlling various things. He says there's a bridle that they put in a horse's mouth. And horses are, are beautiful creatures that... Uh, many of them are uh, roughly a half a ton of raw power. When you put a bridle in a horse's mouth, a rider on it who's been trained properly and, and has trained a horse, they, they know what they're doing. They can literally make a horse dance. I, I've seen it, and, and just a few weeks ago, our family was out in Wyoming, and we went to a, uh, a chuck wagon uh, thing, and we rode on a giant covered wagon. I was going to put some of the pictures up here, but we didn't have time this morning. But uh, we rode, and there's like 20-some people in this chuck wagon. And we rode for about 30, 20, 30 minutes out into the middle of Yellowstone and, and uh, had a, 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 a hoedown, so to speak. They had all this mute mountain music and people playing instruments and shooting guns and doing all of these things. And it was uh, quite the experience. But these huge horses are pulling 20 to 30 people in these wagons and they were hitched together and they accomplished an amazing feat. For a couple hours we were transported into a different time, a different way of living. A bridle has the ability to keep a horse going in the right direction, staying on course. They can accomplish great work. Horses can win controlled by a bridle. He goes on and he says, a rudder of a large ship is also able to help steer a ship in the direction that it's going to go. And if you ever look at a, at a ship that's out of the water, or maybe if you have a, a boat and you see a boat traveling down the road on a trailer, and you look that prop on the very back, that rudder is, is about this big on, on an average uh, uh, ski boat. It's, it's not very big. If you look at a massive ship that's uh, out of the water and it's on a dry dock, you'll see the rudder is maybe like this big, but yet the ship is absolutely enormous. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, you watch how those captains and the, the crew will steer a ship. I've watched them as we've gone into the Bahamas before, and they will literally turn a ship all the way around backwards and back it into a slip there in the Bahamas. And, and it's like, it's mind-boggling. Something that's so tiny can control a floating city. But folks, that's what James says is just like a tongue. He says it's something that's so small. A rudder of a ship, the, the, the captain can completely control it by a tiny instrument. We see also the, the destructive power of the tongue. A tongue that's left untamed has the power to destroy everything in its path. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He didn't get saved until a little, a little later in life. So he, but he had a front-row seat to watching Jesus minister, heal, 
raise the dead, heal the blind, uh, cast out demons, and all of the things that Jesus did as he turned the water into wine, you can only imagine as James watched, he got a front row seat to seeing the Son of God, deity at work, but he saw what uh, what speech used for good, for, for, God's, for God's glory, what it can accomplish. And, and he saw him ultimately lay down his life as a ransom for mankind. James says in verse 5, the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Many homes have been destroyed. Many lives have been killed by massive forest fires that started from someone who was starting a campfire. I have learned that I am not a Boy Scout. I did not grow up learning how to make a fire. If I was ever on Survivor and had to make fire, I probably would not do well. I'd probably be kicked out. But, you know, we'll have, in the backyard, we have this great big fire pit thing that, you know, we, bigger is always better. And so uh, it's 54 inch in diameter on the inside, folks. I mean, I wanted to make sure we could have a fire that you could see from space. And, and so we built this big old thing in our backyard. And you know what? I am terrible at building the fire. And, and sometimes my son goes over there and says, Dad, I'll just do the fire. Just let me handle it. And, and it's like, I, I work and I work and I work. And I, I mean, I'm pulling pine straw out of the bushes to throw into this fire. And I'm like, I've got a blowtorch now. And I mean, we're going hardcore. I mean, trying to make sure this fire gets underway. But the reality is, it's just a, a small fire, a campfire, has the ability to destroy so much. Went to college with a couple from California. He told me, he says, we've lived through massive California wildfires. He talked about the destruction where thousands of homes are destroyed. And he said one that was coming near their, their neighborhood, he said, all of our neighbors, every single one of us, turn on our irrigation systems and flooded the entire neighborhood. And he said, would you know that this fire comes in and it skirts all the way around our entire neighborhood because we were so soaked with water. We had drenched the entire neighborhood with water. But he said, we watched as literally thousands of homes were destroyed. People's lives were destroyed. Fire burns. James reminds us that tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set on fire by hell. I love what Proverbs tells his sons in Proverbs 16. He says, a worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a what, church? A scorching fire. We like fire when we're cold. We like fire when we're trying to cook. We like all of these things. But folks, the reality is this morning is, if we're not careful, our speech becomes devastating, destructive. It destroys. It, 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 he says, it's like a scorching fire, Proverbs 26 Verse 21 says, as charcoal, charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so was a quarrelsome man of kindling strife. Do you ever meet someone who's constantly just causing dissension? Everywhere they go, their life is, is destructive. They have a sharp tongue and they're lashing out at people. He says, that tongue becomes a fire that if you're not careful, will destroy. There are many people who've destroyed entire churches by causing dissension and stirring up discord because they were unhappy with the sermon went long on Sunday. And you know what? 
They went home and they talked to everybody they could. You know what happens is the next time you go to send a text tearing down your pastor, tearing down your youth pastor, tearing down your, your worship pastor, tearing down the, the person in the parking lot, the telling, tearing down your small group leader, before you go do that, why don't you spend about 10 minutes on your knees praying for that very person? You know what that'll do? You will never hit send. Because somewhere along the way, the Holy Spirit of you, how many emails I have written and deleted. Anybody else ever? Do? You know how many times I have got something ready to post on social media and the Holy Spirit of God convicts me and says, you know what? Maybe before you hit publish, you ought to spend a little time on your knees and allow the whole. I'm not, I've been there. Many times. And unfortunately, over the years, I've posted too many times and had to go delete. And I hope nobody saw that. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit of God convicted me. And that's what happens if we're not careful. So you know what happens is sometimes it's slow to speak. <laughs> Let's allow the Holy Spirit of God time to, to work in our hearts and lives. And people who are stirring up strife that are gossiping have a critical spirit. These people wield or weld a, a path of destruction that will destroy everyone in their path. James finishes verse 6. He's saying, it's set on fire by hell. I've, met, I've known some people like that in the day. I'm like, you are straight from the pit. I mean, you are an agent of, of the devil. I mean, you are causing destruction. And what happens is, if you're not careful, the devil can use even the most dedicated follower of Jesus. If we're not careful, he can get us sidetracked, get our eyes off of Jesus and on our circumstances. On the, you know, the, the building's too hot, the building's too cold. Uh, and people, I remember years ago hearing people say, well, the, the, the church split over the color of the carpet. Are you kidding me? Who cares? The carpet in the, in the church in Nicaragua is a dirt floor. Folks, it was raining so hard, there was mud everywhere. In fact, I can't even, the, the flip-flops I wore up when we went to go baptize in, in the pond uh, still have not gotten the mud off them from that trip because I'm not even sure if it's going to, there's just going to be a casualty. But you know what, the reality is, is it does not matter. Whether we have air conditioner or not, I've preached in churches in India where it was 115 degrees outside, no air. And I'm sitting here, that's when I began to preach with an iPad because my Bible was so soaked from my own sweat that I literally couldn't read it any longer. And the, and the reality is this morning is it does not matter. If Jesus Christ is, is being preached, it doesn't matter the color, doesn't matter the temperature, doesn't matter the lighting. I could care less about any of this if the reality is, is if we're not preaching Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You say, well, Pastor, we need this or we need that. No, as a follower of Jesus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. As he's working through the, the, the bride of Christ, through the church, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in Raleigh and Nicaragua and Romania and India and Brazil, as, as, as Christian was talking about. As a Christian, we ought to strive to bless others with our mouth instead of being set on fire by hell. He goes on, he says, the uncontrollable power of the tongue. I'm 
very well aware of the time this morning. Humans can tame all sorts of animals. Dogs are trained in law enforcement, in the military. And as our, med- as our team was going to the airport in RDU the other day, there was a, 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 la- a lab that was sitting there searching. And, and he was walking between all of us. And folks, I love seeing them at work. I love seeing them in action. And folks, uh, just this week, uh, during our, our track out summer camps, uh, there was a, I heard this squawking going on in the church, and I was like, what in the world? I mean, it was a shrieking sound, and it was an owl that uh, Dan the Animal Man was, was here, and he had all of these wild animals, and, and he, this owl, he says, come here, Pastor, and he brought him and set him right here on my shoulder, and I thought to myself, this could, this could go one of two ways. I mean, he could literally destroy me, or, but, but it was fun, and he, and he said, give me your phone, and, and he took my picture, and you know, it, it's awesome to see how they can tame. I, I'm not going to have snakes wrapped around my neck. I mean, God gives you common sense. I mean, there, it's not going to happen. Not in a million years, uh, I would be dead, but uh, they tame lions, they tame tigers, they t- go to the circus. I mean, they tame elephants, massive creatures. But the reality is, he says, humans have learned how to tame all these kind of animals. But James says, the tongue can no man tame. The problem is so much deeper than our mouths, though. James reminded us in verse 8, he said, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. In other words, if we're not careful, our tongue can get the best of us. The devil can use us to destroy those around us. The tongue can also be used to bless and curse in verses 9 through 12. He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father. With it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not so to be. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce fresh water. James wants us as children of God to recognize our tongue can really get us in a huge mess, a huge heap of trouble. And what comes out of our mouth is an indication of what's really in our heart, our real spiritual condition. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Solomon said this in Proverbs 4. He says, keep your heart with all vigilance, or some translations say diligence, for out of it flow the springs of life. He says we ought to guard our hearts because he says God is working and he's convicting, he's showing us he ought to be transforming us from the inside out. It's a work that God is doing in our life. Evidently, James had watched a contradictory phenomenon in his church. Jewish Christians were perpetuating the beautiful old Hebrew custom of saying, blessed be he, after each utterance of God's name, so that their worship times were continually punctuated with choruses of praise. Yet these same people would leave worship and within moments be cursing someone else out who'd made them angry. This was a sin and James wouldn't tolerate it. For them to show love and devotion to God and then hate on their neighbor, ruin the testimony of God's name. And as I read this passage this week and was studying it out, I couldn't help but think, is that not where we live in 2023? 
We leave church having worshipped Jesus, hands in the air, don't care. But folks, the reality is, is we go to a restaurant in 30 minutes, our order be messed up just a little bit, and I'm telling you one thing. I'm getting them, I'm writing a bad review, I mean, right there at the table. I mean, Yelp and all. I'm going to tell them exactly how I feel. Give them a pin. I tell that waiter off, and they will never do. Do you realize that's a person who's also created the image of Jesus? And the, the very same tongue that lifted up and praised the name of Jesus in worship within moments can be slandering and cursing and destroying the work of God. I've talked to people that work in the food service industry. God bless every one of you. They will say that the most rude, obnoxious, and terrible tippers, customers that they experience all week are the Sunday lunch crowd. That's convicting. James says, this ought not to be so. In fact, let's turn that around. The very best customers, the best tippers, the sweetest and nicest people we meet all week are the Sunday lunch crowd. Those who've just come from an encounter with Jesus in worship, folks. We ought to have something to praise about. Folks, but you, some, I have been there with people that I'm having lunch with and someone I'm trying to minister to and then all of a sudden they're they're chewing out a waitress or a person at a food place and I've been embarrassed before to be in positions I'm sitting there thinking to myself if I could just crawl under this table and hide while you show your tail to the entire world let's stop let's stop let's change the course Let's don't be like that. He says, these things ought not to be. And folks, if that's you, for the love of God, don't ever tell someone you go to church here. If you act like the devil in public, don't ever tell someone you go to church here. Change the course of your heart. If this is you, repent. Let God have first place in your heart. Selfish pride is destroying your witness. We must yield to the Holy Spirit's control. In regards to our tongue, and then let's wrap up this passage in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By this good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast to be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Say, Pastor, what's the application? James reminds us the wisdom of this world is selfish, earthly, unspiritual, and what, church? Demonic. That's what we're seeing in your life. That's what we're seeing. It's everywhere. In fact, turn on the news any given day. Look on your, your news apps any given moment. You'll be bombarded with selfish, demonic, and vile behavior. People are turning away from that which was, is of God, and they're turning to their own sinful ways. 
We think we know better than God. We think we are like God. Every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. Verse 16 says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. This perfectly describes the world in which we live today. Disorder. Every vile practice. Selfish ambition. What was once deemed wrong is now paraded as right. What was once deemed right is now ridiculed as wrong. And there's disorder on every front. Everyone is looking out only for themselves. What's best for me? James goes on in verse 17, though. He says, but the wisdom from above, church, listen, is first what? Pure, then what? Peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. When we're seeking godly wisdom, folks, it's not selfish, it's pure. True wisdom can only come from God. And in James 1, 5, he says, if you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. This is what wisdom from above looks like. When we seek godly wisdom, James tells us in verse 18, he says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I love that. A person who's seeking after the heart of God is sowing a harvest of righteousness. Folks, don't you think your kids will see that in your life? And they're going to desire to be more like Jesus. They're going to see your kids and your classroom teachers are going to see a, a teacher who's passionate, who loves God, who has a heart for God. Folks, uh, just this week someone told me, they were talking to their doctor at Duke. They said they were talking about their plan for cancer and the treatments that they were getting ready to take. And they said, the doctor said, do you mind if I pray with you? You want to think that doesn't get someone's attention? you mind if I pray with you? Because... God's the only one that can heal in this situation. I said for the next few moments, this doctor bowed her head and prayed and thanked God for giving her wisdom, for giving her direction, and the medical team there at Duke, the wisdom to do the right thing. I'm sitting here thinking, you know how many people take credit for all of the things that God actually is the one, only one who gives us that kind of wisdom? He's the only one that enables us to do the things that we do. There is fruit from those who seek godly wisdom from above. He said, let's strive to speak, speak blessing instead of cursing and allow the wisdom from God to permeate our hearts and our lives so the heart of righteousness, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. This morning is... The worship team was leading in worship. God brought this verse to my heart, and 
I had to stop and look at Martha and then we're sitting right behind me. He's like, they're probably going, why is he still writing his sermon? Because God was still giving me something. He says, let this be our desire. Psalm 19, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Woo! That is powerful. If we want to think about the, the things that we say, the words that we convey, the, the, the message that we're keeping, Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When you get home this afternoon, underline that in your Bible, circle it, Psalm 19, 14. God wants us to seek to use our tongue for his glory. Taming the mighty tongue is something you cannot do apart from the Holy Spirit of God. May we walk in his spirit this week in such a way that we speak blessing. We sow a harvest of righteousness in our city. Holy Spirit, would you transform our hearts?